What's up, everybody? Thanks for pressing play today. In today's episode of Nerd Nostalgia, you're going to catch me, Irvin, doing another solo review just for you. Ooh, is that a new little phrase that we got for us? Little, little fucking Dr. Seuss rhyming on you? Um, sorry, guys. I'm just goofing over here. So, we are going to do, you and I, a review on Akame Ga Kill. This is actually the first time that I've ever reviewed a anime. I watch anime all the time. I hope you guys do. This one was a pretty good one. I, I really enjoyed it. We've discussed anime in the past with a voice actress that actually specifically is in the voice acting Japanese anime game. Uh, please go listen to that episode. It's our interview with Meg McDonald. It's episode 23 for part one and then 24 for part two. It's a total of about three hours. Really awesome. You get to know both Meg McDonald, the work that she's done, a little insight into what it's like to become an actor, a voice actor in the anime game. So highly recommend that. But yeah, we're going to jump into it. Here is a quick clip for you to enjoy. I'm Miho Nishizumi, and this is Nerd Nostalgia Podcast. And thanks for stopping by. Panzer Vor! Oh, and fuck you, Brian, with an I. <laughs> Hey, 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 what's going on, y'all? Thank you for joining me today on this Nerd Nostalgia First. We're reviewing a anime. What? Exactly, I know. I'm very excited for this. So, apologies if this one is going to be quick. I really don't know how long this is going to go for just because of the fact that it's been a while since I've watched this, but I've been meaning to do it. I've watched it in the past few months, but I just haven't had the time to actually do it. And I thought, you know what? This is going to be a good day to do it. I know I was talking before on Monday about possibly doing the uh, follow-up to Mask of Zorro. I'm thinking I'm going to hold that off for a different day because I haven't had time to watch it uh, or re-watch it rather because I have seen it previously. Anyways, before we jump into all this stuff, guys, please do me a quick favor. Head over to nerd.nostalgia on Instagram. Follow us, like our page, send us direct messages. We love interacting with you guys. Also, head over to our other social media pages, uh, Facebook and YouTube, nerd. Or no, not nerd. Nerd Nostalgia Podcast. Uh, go to TikTok. It's Nerd Nostalgia all together. Go over and yeah, just follow us, like us, all that jazz. And then of course, head over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five stars, steal your girlfriend's phone, steal your boyfriend's phone, steal your mom, brother, dad, grandpa, steal their iPhones, their Mac, whatever it is. Click that five star on there, subscribe for us. That helps us with our viewership. If you don't have one of those devices, just follow us on all of the other platforms, Spotify, Pandora, all that jazz. We're on all of it. But yeah, let's jump into it. You and I, let's get into it today. So what are we doing? We're doing an anime. We're doing a Kami Got Kill. And so right off the rip, let, let me say that I really liked this. Um, for the most part, it was it was pretty good. It wasn't it wasn't one of my favorites. It didn't jump into my top favorites. Oh, and of course, special shout out to my boy, Andy. Uh, Andy Tran, that's you, buddy. DK, thank you for recommending this to me after our Meg McDonald episode he suggested a bunch of things that I should watch so definitely happy and thankful that you suggested this show because I really do like it um, some of my top favorites so you can actually go find them on Instagram 
on a post that I did a couple months ago, uh, maybe April-ish time frame. Uh, my top five are going to be Dragon Ball Z. Obviously, that has just been an ongoing saga for forever. Love it. Been watching since Dragon Ball as soon as I could because I think it came out right as I was born. So probably a few years after that. Then, of course, we have My Hero Academia, the new frontrunner. People absolutely love this show. I do, too. It's simply just an amazing show. So if you've never seen it, definitely recommend you watch that. Number three, we're going to go with Seven Deadly Sins. Super cool concept. Uh, One Punch Man, very similar to My Hero Academia, in my opinion. And then finally rounding out with Sword Art Online. Now, there are some, I guess, special mentions that, uh, that I would add in here. Pokemon, obviously, that's the OG. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. Oh, Seven Deadly Sins. No, 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 we already talked about that. Oh, Attack on Titan. Uh, Magi, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Full Metal Alchemist. And another new guy that's on Netflix that I really enjoyed. It's called Beastars. Uh, it's basically like a, a kingdom, or not a kingdom, like a realm, a world, where animals are essentially people-like, and they have different uh, feelings, thoughts, and that kind of stuff. But then it's separated by carnivores and then herbivores, essentially. But they're forcing the carnivores to almost be herbivores. And so the dynamics of, you know, having bloodlust and obviously the origin of animals killing each other, like a tiger killing a fucking rabbit, um, that that is all playing a part into it. And so they, they really play it up. I really liked that. It was good storytelling. That's on Netflix, too. Uh, a lot of this stuff is actually on Netflix. Dragon Ball Z, obviously not. But uh, My Hero Academia, I want to say you can see that on Hulu, Seven Deadly Sins, Netflix, One Punch Man Season 1, Netflix, Season 2 is on Hulu. I've been meaning to do that one too. I want to do a follow-up for that. And then Sword Art Online, I want to say, is on Netflix as well. But back to the main menu, back to the main course here. Let's go back to Akame Ga Kill. So because it's an anime, it's a little bit different than my normal reviews Normally, you know, I would go over production, I would go over, that was a page flip in there, guys. I'd go over the cast, I'd do a plot summary, I would, you know, rate it, give you my nostalgia moment, and then finally my my overall thoughts of it. But with this, it's going to be a little bit different just because there are no actors. I mean, there's voice actors, right? Um, but because there's the American dub and then there's the Japanese, the American dub and then the Japanese sub, I figured that uh, is complicated some people may or may not know some of the actors, but uh, actually, you know what? Let's just do a quick run. I'll, I'll go over each person real quickly, and then this way, I just cover those bases because I don't want to leave them out, right? Voice actors are still super awesome. They do a great job, and they're, I think, very underrated, but yeah, let's go over that list. This is who they are. Give me one second, and I'm back, so I'm totally just going to go off of IMDb here. Just do y'all a Save y'all a quick little search, essentially. So Tatsumi is going to be Soma Saito. Also, Corey Hartzog. Hartzog? I don't know how to pronounce pronounce that name. Uh, Akame, you're going to have Sora Amamiya. Molly Searcy. Then you have Leone. You have Yu Asakawa. For Najenda, you have Riza Mizinu. For Leone, again, you have Allison Keith. Nagenda again, you have Shelly Callen Black. For mine, you have Yukari Tamura. You have Satomi Akaisaka as Esdeath. And then Christine M. Otten as Esdeath. Obviously, if it sounds like a like an English name, 
then you versus a Japanese name, you can obviously distinguish between sub and dub there. Uh, we have Christine Marie Kelly as mine. We have Yoshitsugu Matsuoko as Lubbock. Tyler Galindo as Lubbock. Koei Sugasawa. I'm butchering these names and I apologize. If I have any Japanese listeners, I 100% am fucking butchering this. I apologize. As Aid, you have Yoshimasu Hosaya as Wave. David Matranga as Wave. Ayakawa Ohasashi as Kurome. Uh, Junji Majima as Run, Chris Patton as Run, Juliet Simmons as Kurome, uh, Kento Fujima as Aid, you have Katsuyuki Konishi as Bulat, Kana Hanazawa as Seria, Koji Ishii as Prime Minister Honest, Marty Fleck as Honest, uh, Tiffany Grant as Koro, Kira Vincent Davis as Siryu Ubiquitous, David Wald as Bulat, Shintaro Asanuma as Susano, Tai Mahani as Susano, Yuki Shikara as Aid, Yu Taiti as Emperor, Shannon Emmerich as Emperor, Eji Takameto as Bowles, John Swayze as Bowles, Mamiko Nota as Shiel, Jessica Boone as Shiel. Okay, guys, there's still so many more characters, but that's the bulk of it. That's the bulk of the characters there. So special shout out if I didn't hit you up. I apologize. It's just a lot. And I want to get into this actual interview because it's almost nine minutes in. Haven't really discussed much. So let's talk about the production a little bit, right? Who produced this? What was it like? Who directed it? All that jazz. So the series was directed by Tomoki Kobayashi. 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 Sorry. He's really associated with a lot of stuff. Uh, Amagami, Futakawi Alternative, Galaxy Angel, 100, Infinite Dendogram, Pre-Tear, Rosen Maiden, Siren, Seven of Seven, Sola, uh, Strawberry 100%, Tears to Tiara, just just so many things. Um, just look them up. But it was also written by Makato Vezu. Again, if I'm fucking butchering these names, I apologize if you know these people. Uh <laughs> To give them my sincerest apologies because it is uh they're, they're difficult names for me to uh, pronounce. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Anyways, this uh, premiered in Tokyo or <laughs> in Tokyo. Obviously, premiered premiered in Japan. It premiered on the uh, Tokyo MX uh, Maichi Broadcasting System and the Nippon BS Broadcasting TV station. I guess I don't know. Uh, on July 7th, 2014. So it's about six years old, man. That's uh, It's crazy to think that that's, that's how long this has been. And I had seen it for a while. I just never, I never jumped into it. Uh, then they, the anime was licensed over to Sentai Filmworks. This is obviously where it comes to the American side. And it was broadcast in the U.S. on Adult Swim's Toonami. Everybody knows Toonami. Uh, August 8th, 2015. So a little over a year after that, you know, you got to work on the dubs and subs and all that jazz. So about a year afterwards, uh, I didn't watch it again until probably two months ago when two, three months ago when my buddy, uh, shout out again, DK, um, whenever he suggested it to me and definitely happy that, that we did a little background for you about the show, the conception in 2007, Takahiro, which actually developed the manga, right? This is actually based on a manga, was asked to create a manga for for Square Phoenix. Now, you know a lot of their stuff. You know, it's the, it's the video game um, company. They've done Dragon Quest, uh, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts. So you, you'd be very familiar with their work. 
but he had originally come up with this concept of like this all female like led band and they essentially they're assassins and they capture this this young protagonist our guy right Tatsumi and he essentially gets captured by them and has to work for them and you get a little bit of that so I'm I'm pretty I love hearing about different writers and and artists and people that uh, that direct and stuff and seeing their vision translate onto you know reality basically so I'm happy that you know he had conceptualized this and it's still stuck so if you haven't seen this it basically is exactly that it kind of follows that so yeah let's let's actually jump into the to the plot let's knock that out while we're at it and just as a um, little caveat little note here side note I have not read the manga. I've heard it's super popular. I've heard it's sold millions of copies. I'm actually here. Let's quick quick look it up. Wow, yeah, it's it's literally sold 24,181 copies within the first week of its release. The 8th volume likewise did 37,833 copies during its debut week, and up until volume 11, the series has sold 2.1 million copies. That is redonkulous. But, I okay, I did a little research on this, and I saw that people that watched the anime weren't as happy about the manga. Evidently, it follows it up to a certain point, but then it differentiates. And this tends to happen a lot with, uh, with animes and mangas kind of happening. Um, the main one that I can think of is Brother or Full, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And that one was basically ended up being two different shows. And so you had to watch one and then it's the same up until a certain point and then it just diverges off. And so, uh, yeah, super little interesting fact right there. But like I mentioned, let's get into that. Uh, let's get into that plot. Like I was saying, it's it's a it's a cool plot. And like I said, we we already have that core concept that we talked about. Uh, young dude gets essentially kidnapped, works for female assassins. Uh, what they don't mention, and just like all Japanese anime, or not all, but a lot of it, uh, it's all hot, you know, Japanese women with big boobs, and they're constantly flashing them in the kid's face, and in this one, they end up falling, they all fall for him at some point, and we'll jump into that, and how that kind of irked me a little bit, but yeah, let's let's start at the beginning, Tuts, and here we go, spoiler alert, there we go, there's the real one. And so Tatsumi is a fighter accompanied by his two childhood best friends. They're essentially having this idea, this goal. They're from a little village. They want to make a lot of money as soldiers. They want to enlist in the army. And so their idea is send our money back to our village and, you know, make them some money. But along the way, uh, something you, I, I don't I don't remember if you see it on screen or not, but they're attacked by bandits. I want to say you don't. It starts off with just him slicing and dicing uh, a dinosaur but and saving a couple people but yeah they uh some bandits evidently attacked them and so they got split up so tries to get enlisted into the army they're like yeah you're gonna be a pissant like you're gonna make next to nothing and so he's like no absolutely not he's like i'm a i'm a boss fighter like why would i join that like i can i can do better on my own so along the way he ends up uh getting swindled and we'll talk about this scene here at the end because for me it was one of the most iconic scenes um, or most memorable, most nostalgic scenes, if you will. A little, little, uh, I'm not even going to try to attempt anymore. So along the way, um, before he meets, or he gets swindled, 
all of his money's taken away. Well, you just see this super, you know, rich person in a carriage, see that he's sleeping on the streets and pulls over and is like, hey, um, if you'd like somewhere to sleep, I have it and food for your belly and like all this stuff. You're like, oh, dude, that's so nice. That's so fucking nice. That's so cool. Hell yeah. So he takes their offer, goes and meets her family. Uh, They're all super nice people. Well, this is where he ends up finding the Night Raid. And the Night Raid is essentially this group of assassins, female predominant assassins, not all female, but female predominant assassins. And this is where he comes across the swordsman Akame. So it turns out that they have a bounty on this family because as it turns out, they're all pieces of shit. They are super bad people and they kill essentially vagabonds or, you know, out of towners, poor country folk like our protagonist, uh, Tatsumi. And so you end up having a scene, it's a pretty, pretty nostalgic scene, where they're crossing swords. Akame is the greatest swordsman of them all, and he's holding his own against her, even though she's holding back a little bit, because she's like, I don't have to kill you, I don't want to kill you right now. But they end up having their duel. Leone, who saw that she was the person who swindled him for his money, and therefore he was a peasant and ended up in this situation, felt guilty, and was like, hey, 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 don't kill this dude, he's going to be our new recruit, and so this is how he ends up with the Night Raid, these group of warriors. So, the members of the Night Raid basically carry these super cool weapons uh, created like 900 years prior to them having it, and they're just like legendary weapons, like they essentially bond with them, and then they all have different characteristics, but you have to be able to bond with it to be able to actually utilize it and use it. So they have that. Akame has hers. I want to say if she cuts you, that's like, that's it. It's a done deal. Like you're fucking dead. Um, they end up killing these people, you know, the bad family. And you end up finding out that his two friends were actually victims of this rich family uh, you know, Hannibal Lecter, fucking serial killer bullshit that they've been doing. And so he ends up delivering the final blow to the girl that picked him up. And his best friend, I guess the dude best friend, lives long enough. The The girl best friend was dead at this point, but the dude best friend, what I, I don't remember his name and I apologize, but the dude best friend uh, lives long enough to see this. And so gets a little redemption there. So you feel good about that. And so he's, you know, sad and mournful. And then Leone at this point ends up picking him up. From here, we uh, we cut over to the base, the lair of the Night Raid. And you start finding out about the different characters. And then he starts to kind of fall for Akame. And Akame starts to kind of fall for him. And this is one of my issues with it, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll jump into this here. Might as well. At the beginning of this, it I would say the first half of this show starts off really well. And the plot is just super awesome, but then at the end, it just, I don't know, it it feels a little rushed, it feels a little sloppy, it feels just off, doesn't feel like the first half. But one of the things that I notice is they start with this, what I like to call the Ross and Rachel love dynamic. So essentially, one person likes the other person, and they can never be together, but then sometimes they're together, and you know, all that kind of stuff. So it starts off with Akame and our protagonist. And so you're like, yeah, this is, this is, I'm all for this. This, you know, they fought each other and then they held their own against each other. So they're compatible. Why not? So although this starts to happen at the end, 
they basically end up giving you a fucking Ross and Phoebe love dynamic. They essentially throw in another character that is like, yeah, low-key, I've always had a crush on you and blah, 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 all this stuff. And then then they also start throwing in everybody has a, a crush on this dude. And I get it, like they, you know, he's he's a, a charming character and, you know, there's reason for people to fall in love for, with him. But it just became too much and they took away the, the Ross and Rachel. And so I was really annoyed by that. And so that's why I actually end up rating what I end up rating it. But it follows him and... From here, he actually kind of starts his uh, Mr. Miyagi karate kid kind of wax on, wax on, has to learn how to do different things. Then in order to gain, obviously, you know, he's our protagonist. He's going to gain his armor. Apologize if you hear a dog in the background. It's just a, a random neighbor's dog and it's super fucking loud if you can hear it from here. Anyways, so in order for him to get his actual armor, he one of his friends has to die. And so his imperial, imperial, that's a hard word to say, imperial arms comes from one of his fellow people. So it's pretty sad because I actually ended up liking that character. Um, gay character, as it turns out. I was very surprised, you know. I'm glad that uh, that they're moving forward with that kind of stuff. And I've noticed a lot more show, a lot of, a lot more shows are starting to show, um, you know, LGBTQ kind of characters and and. And all, and all that kind of jazz. Apologize for that. And all that's there. <laughs> kind of stuttered. I'm not going to edit that out. I dig it. You know, on these solo ones, I do a lot less editing, to be honest with you guys. Because it's just me. I edit as I go. Versus having to edit two and a half hours worth of content sometimes. Which, we are going to have a trio episode this Monday. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to finish up the 90s. And then we will also continue on with uh, some other stuff. So we have that in the pipe for you guys. My goal is going to be to try to get one trio episode and then one solo episode per week. And then as time progresses, we're also going to add in, and I might have mentioned this before, a couple other different concepts. So professionally, I am in the health and wellness industry. And so I'm going to recruit other people in this industry, do interviews and just kind of have a panel, you know, have discussions about that. We'll probably do that. And then another segment that we're also planning to do is about people's jobs. So there's so many jobs out there in the world. So it's really interesting to find out, you know, not even about the big jobs like lawyer, doctor, all that kind of stuff. You know what that is. But imagine somebody that's like a comic book shop owner or a person that is a dental hygienist talking to them about their jobs and and that kind of stuff. But I digress. Let's get back to Akame Got Killed. That's why you're here. So where was I? But yeah, it's it's really nice to see, you know, the LGBTQ um, kind of represented and stuff. You know, everyone should be represented. So I think it's cool when TV shows and movies and all that kind of stuff do represent that. But moving forward uh, with our story, our protagonist ends up uh, in this kind of war between the light side and the dark side of every Star Wars. We have to take down the Empire, the evil Empire. And so that's their whole mission. And so they do one really good thing about this, though. And this is something that I really liked. And they end up showing you the Empire side, right? The bad people. And they make you feel for them. You're like, oh, these are just regular characters that regular people that have lives, that have families. And they're just kind of following orders. Like, you know, they're they're shitty people, but they're not shitty people at the same time. One of the main characters, 
Esdeth, the uh, the the evil high-ranking general of of the empire. It's literally called the empire. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about that. She falls in love with um, with our protagonist, right, with Tatsumi, and so it's really funny to see their dynamic the entire time. But you come to find out, you know, deeper things about her, about her psyche, and so they do that with pretty much all of the characters, and so you kind of grow fond of them too, so even though there's this struggle between the good side, the Jedis, and the dark side, you know, the Sith, uh, the Empire, if you will, they, actually, no, it is not, if you will, it, it is the fucking Empire, you you end up feeling for these characters too, and so I really liked that about this, and so just for that alone, I would rank this pretty high, because I don't see too many shows that do that, and I think that there is a big market for that that really can blow up and obviously there is because take the Joker for example the movie I had come up with a concept years ago that oh man they need to do a straight villain thing where you kind of feel for the villain and you see their side of the story and then you present like okay for example let's call it the Joker so you have the Joker you see his origin story the real one right because the movie that came out isn't really the, the, the Joker story so you would have that and then You'd make that almost the central character, right? And you feel for him and you're like, oh man, and you're like, wow, I know you're a bad guy. I'm kind of rooting for you. And then on the flip side, kind of like a Loki character, right? Like you're like, fuck, it kind of makes sense. Some of the stuff that you're doing, I, I cheer for you. And then on the flip side, you would do a Batman story and you see like his turmoil and all that. And so then you pin them together and create a third movie. So you would have a villain movie a good guy movie, and then for the third, you have a battle movie, and you would have characters that, or characters, you would have people that like both characters on each side, and I think that would create a super awesome dynamic and a super awesome experience, but, you know, I'm just a little old podcast creator, and that's uh, that's what I'm going to do, but DC, Marvel, holler at your boy, I got the ideas, man, I got the ideas, <laughs> anyways, um, let's go into ratings, I feel like I've been kind of ranting on for a little bit, um, Overall, pretty pretty high ratings on this. Um, not the best, not the greatest, you know, not home runs. On IMDb, it ranks a 7.9 out of 10, so that's pretty good, pretty solid, you know. On Crunchyroll, it's a 4.3 out of 5, another solid one that, that equates to, what, 8.6? Um, pretty good, pretty good, or maybe higher, I don't know. 8.8, .8, I don't know, whatever. Uh, then on myanime.com, it's a 7.6 out of 10, so close to that IMDb. And then the Nerd Nostalgia, how many Ewoks does this get? Out of nine Ewoks, where does this rank? If I had to give it a Ewok scale, and this is before I even looked up, I normally look up the ratings before I do mine, uh, but I think I like actually doing it beforehand because this way it doesn't skew me. I did seven out of nine Ewoks. And so everybody knows that one Ewok is essentially 1.1 star, right? Or am I doing that backwards? Whatever. It's uh, it, it equates to about 7.7 .7 stars. So seven out of nine Ewoks. That's the nerd nostalgia. Irvin almost said my last name. Ranking. So yeah, that's uh, that's where that's where I think it kind of falls at. All right, guys, we're we're rounding out here towards the end. We're coming out coming up on that 30 minute mark. So let's do the final two bits here. The most iconic slash nostalgic scene. It's it, for me. It's at the very beginning. There's a lot. There's a lot of funny moments into it. You know, him gaining his armor is pretty cool. Um, each and every one of his friends and the interactions there, and you know, potentially losing some of them. That is that is always great, but. 
at the beginning, he gets duped by, by Leone, Leon, not Leon, Leone, uh, which inevitably leads him down this path on the night raid side. And he finds family and he finds friends. And so that to me was the most memorable moment just because it, it had a lot of the Japanese things that you would have. It had boobies in his face. It had sword fights. It had humor. And so to me, it just it nailed it right off the rip. Another thing, most iconic slash most nostalgic thing is going to be the Imperial Arms, the weapons, I think are super cool. Just the concept that it's essentially a weapon that you bond with, like it feels who it wants to be with, kind of like a uh, Harry Potter wand type of situation. I was trying to come up with a perfect analogy, and that's exactly what it would be like. And so they essentially choose you. I choose you, Pikachu. And so that's basically what happens. So the wands or the Imperial Arms get chosen uh, or the person gets chosen by those Imperial Arms. And so that's a cool concept. And they're all different. You know, some give you the power of fucking ice. Some make you this fucking super cool battle suit that can eventually fly and all kind of random shit. And so it's really cool. It's individualistic. So I really like that. I'm a fan of that. I highly, highly, highly enjoyed the weapons. I think that's probably one of the reasons that I ranked it so high along with the background of the evil characters. Just, or not evil characters, right? Just characters. They they really play into that gray zone that, uh, that George R. Martin loves to play in as well. And so, overall thoughts, it, um, you know, for 24 episodes at 20 to 23, uh, 20 to 23 hours, could you imagine? At 20 to 23 minutes, a total of like, you know, roughly nine hours, uh, give or take, it, it's pretty good. It's worth the watch. It's, uh, it's definitely something you can knock out pretty quickly. You could do it in a week. Easy peasy. No problem. Lemon squeezy. There's some more rhyming for you guys. Uh, it starts off pretty op- awesome, uh, but like I said before, it kind of just tapers off towards the end. Some of the plot just kind of seems off. It just doesn't make sense. Again, the thing that bugged me the most was the, uh, the initial romance that you see is going to happen that you're like, okay, give me that Ross and Rachel no, they, they, they totally pull that fucking rug underneath you and they give you a Ross and Phoebe. Uh, so they pull out this this other fucking character that didn't they didn't have that dynamic, that connection. And so that to me felt forced and just off. But fight scenes are super cool. Uh, the story overall is pretty good. Weaponry is awesome, like I mentioned. The character detail into the not not just the good guys, but also the bad guys is super awesome. I really dug on that. Um but yeah, the the ending just doesn't really, or the the end isn't the greatest just because it starts off so high and it goes up the mountain, but then it fucking almost crashes uh, at the end. However, the ending I thought was perfect. It, it ended how it should have ended. Uh, I remember in the midst of it, I was like, dude, it has to end this way, the way they're building it up. It, it just has to, if they do anything else, I would be annoyed and pissed that they took me on this journey and, and then you know, went a different way. And I thought that that's what they maybe were doing because of the fact that you had this Ross and Phoebe fucking relationship versus the Ross and Rachel, which is what we needed. I know I'm harping on that. For those of you who don't know Ross and Rachel, friends, look it up. It's on HBO Max. But yeah, guys, I think that's it. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining me. I absolutely love doing these for you guys. Akame Got Kill, you can watch it on Netflix uh, for free. Um, I'm sure you can watch it on fucking like Hulu or any of the other stuff. I haven't looked it up to be honest, but Netflix for sure. Uh, thank you guys for joining me again. Please drop a five star on 
Apple Podcasts. It helps with our broad with broadening our viewership. Sorry, guys, I'm just mumbling today. Yeah, that'll help us out again. Steal your boyfriend, girlfriends, anybody's phone and just drop that five star and recommend us to other people. Uh, we we want to grow. We want to keep going. And yeah, send us a message on Instagram, nerd.nostalgia. That's where we're on the most. And if you can find us anywhere else, please do so. All right, guys, that's it. Thank y'all. Uh, remember, stay nerdy, my friends.